Hello, everybody, and welcome to the week or the year that was. I am uh, Aaron Maxson, along with my co-hosts uh, Nate and Archie. Welcome, Hello, guys. everybody. What's up, butcher, everybody? Butcher the beginning of that, but I don't really care. <laughs> um, <laughs> not getting paid, so exactly. Um, <clears throat> this week is the week of uh, Monday Night Raw from February night. Ah, February seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven. So obviously, east of, obviously, WCW is on uh, February seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven, because we're in the height of the Monday Night Wars, and we'll also be recapping ECW from that week, which I did not find the date for it. For some reason, I couldn't find it on the network. I don't know if it was a glitch or what, but ECW it varies. Sometimes it's on like the the Wednesday of the week. Sometimes it's on the Thursday of the week. So I don't know. Um, but what we're doing is we're coming out of last night for the year 1997 was, uh, WWF Fatal 4-Way. Um, so I'm sure you guys remember that pay-per-view. It had uh, Bret Hart coming out of it as the WWF champion. And it was supposed to be Sid getting a shot here. Um, but that did not happen. So, Sid is going to get a shot here in Nashville. And that is how we are opening Monday Night Raw. Unless you guys have any questions going into this. I was just going to say, this is one of my favorite episodes of Monday Night Raw, ever. It's, it's a Mind great episode. It's a great episode. Um, so, if you guys are ready, let's... Go ahead and start this journey. I think I got my words all lined up now. Um, the announced team is Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. And Monday Night Raw opens straight away. Bret Hart versus Sid Vicious for the WWF Championship. Jim Ross, as Sid is coming out, mentions that The Undertaker will be getting the shot no matter what at WrestleMania 13. Uh, Bret then comes out and all of a sudden... Um, Steve Austin just jumps Bret Hart, and he also clips Sid's knee. Sid is hurt, but they're giving him time as he's laying in the ring. Um, there's highlights. They, like basically, they go to a commercial. They show um, um, more of HBK's recap of Thursday Raw Thursday. They show highlights from the Fatal Four. Yada yada yada. Comes back and turns out that um, Sid is going to be given not just time to recuperate while waiting in the ring, but they're going to push the match back further down or higher up the car, whatever you want to call it. And Sid, um, Sid cuts an interview saying that no matter what, he's going to get Brett in the ring. And it's actually a pretty good hook. It got the people to, because remember this is the Monday night wars. So they got people that would have turned on raw going, Oh, the title match first. But that doesn't right. happen. But they still promise you this title match is going to happen. So now it's like now they're they've already seen the beginning of it. Now they want to stick around because now you, you get what I'm saying. Like yeah, they, they gave them a reason. Yeah. Like like if if like the match after this, no offense to these guys, is Mark Marrow and Savio Vega. So if they would have opened with Mark Marrow and Savio Vega, somebody would probably be like, eh, let's see what's on Nitro first, and then they get hooked. Mm-hmm. Turn on the thing. First thing they see is Sid Vicious coming out. Like, all right, all right. Title match: Steve Austin. Boom, boom, boom. 
Well, now I gotta see it. And on yeah. top of the, on top of that, it feels uh, chaotic and spontaneous, which is right. uh, you know it's it's something that you weren't necessarily. Well, I mean, I guess now by this point we were with like the NWO and stuff. But you guys know what I mean. It just it was different. It felt so different than most other things you'd ever seen before at this point. Yeah, well, right. Man. It, at this point too, and uh, Nitro was really NWO heavy. So if you missed like the first thirty minutes of Nitro, you basically got to recapture the whole show because they just kept bringing out the NWO anyway. So, yeah. you know, Raw doing this kind of made fans go, well, let's see what Raw has to offer because I know what WCW is going to be putting on, you know. Yeah. Um, so, anything else on that, guys? No, sir. All right. So, I did foreshadow the next match is Mark Merrow versus Sabio Vega. Uh, and the Nation of Dominations at ringside except for Farouk, who, except for Farouk, who is standing above the Raw sign watching from the crowd. Um, Sable's out there with Mark Marrow, and the nation ends up um, basically surrounding Sable. She gets in the ring. They're going to beat her up. They're knocking down Mark Marrow, and then Ahmed Johnson comes out with his gigantic board <laughs> and saves the day. As much as you know how much I love Savio Vega, at this time he was everyone's favorite leather-clad Puerto Rican. Yes. With his leather jacket, his leather cap, his leather pants. <laughs> yes. It's very, much like Sable now, very leathery. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Brock Lesnar. No, you're good. I know you're listening, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Two weeks from now, we're going to be recording Knock on the Door. It's going to be Brock Lesnar. What did you say? Yeah. I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm about to get my ass kicked by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> As long as he doesn't kill him, that's the story. It's also the only thing that Mark Merrow ever said that in, that I, that entertained me. Did you guys ever listen to what him was when that? he was there, when he was interviewed by Chris Jericho? Oh, Jer- I mentioned that he had table before Brock. Well, he's he um. You guys still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. It just went to one picture, so I don't. I can't see anybody because you guys have your stuff um, off. I'm... But uh, he says that um, he had always been talking to Sable, and and like they had left together or whatever. You know what I mean? Like they weren't in the WWF anymore, and then WWE called and wanted her back, but not him, and she didn't want to go because he was worried about. Um, she was worried about him not like not going with him, you know what I mean? And he right. said, No, babe, if you want to go, go. I understand. Um do your thing. So she goes and he goes, For like the first couple months, she's always calling me, she's always answering her phone, this, that, and the other thing. And then he finds out all of a sudden she's like not answering the phone all the time. She's not always where she says she's gonna be. He's been in the wrestling business, so he knows what's going on. So he's like, she's cheating. She's cheating on me. Mm-hmm. And if I find, he's like, I'm a golden glove boxer. If I find out who she's cheating on me with, I'm going to kick their fucking ass. Uh-huh. And then he finds out, he's like, and then I found out it was Brock Lesnar. And when you find out your wife's cheating on you with Brock Lesnar, everything changes. 
<laughs> I was like, I hope you two are very happy together. Right. <laughs> this will be an endless. She's all your fine, She's all. This will be a fine divorce. I hope you two are very happy together. <laughs> he said, "I want nothing to do with this." You, you know. You know what it reminds me of. What you know? What it, rem- it reminds me of uh, Debo. You want some of this old man? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> when you find out your wife's cheating on your crap prisoner, everything changes. I was like, Godspeed. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Um, so that match ends obviously with um, Mark Merrow winning by disqualification. And then the next match is for the Intercontinental Championship, and nobody cares. <laughs> it's Leaf Cassidy versus Rocky Maivea, and nobody cares. You got like, the Rock versus Al Snow, and nobody cares. Yes, but this isn't the Rock versus Al Snow. This is Leaf Cassidy <laughs> versus Rocky Maivea. The Blue Jibber. They don't even care enough about him yet to boo him. Like, they're not happy right. that he's there. They're not sick of him. They're just indifferent. Like, they right. care nothing for this guy. It's a very quiet match or a very quiet entrance for The Rock. Very, you don't even really see Leaf's entrance. And the fans finally make the noise when they bring out the special timekeeper, Sonny. So. <laughs> We happy. all know we all know who's over in this segment. Yes, so they're all right. happy to see Sunny in Nashville. She's wearing one of her little pink numbers, and they're happy about it. Um, so this match is going on, and she's making like the googly. She's like doing like the googly eye thing to rock, like they're showing her or whatever. Um, they bring up the fact that, and this is one of my favorite Monday Night Raws, they bring up the fact that WWF Raw will be returning to the Manhattan Center next week. If you guys know what that is, well, you'll find out here in a little bit. Um, that is the that is the Raw where ECW invades. Yes. Which is um, a very good Raw. Yes. We're moving into like, we're moving into Primo 1997 here very, right. very soon. Right. Shit's about to start popping off, and this is like when middle school Aaron was like, "Fuck yeah, wrestling is it!" Like all my <laughs> right, friends, either, all my friends either finally admitted they liked it, or just started getting into it. And I was like, "I am right. not an asshole now." Like, <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not an outcast. <laughs> yes, people are coming to me they saying, like- "I wasn't, I didn't watch in '92. Tell me what happened. Like, I'll tell <laughs> right. you the tale." Of Jake the Snake Roberts and the Macho Man Randy Savage. I'll tell you the t- I'll tell you the tale of Miss Elizabeth wearing only the staple. Yes, you will never understand what it was like when the Mega Powers exploded. Sit down, and I will discuss it with you. <laughs> it was awesome times for for a for a hardcore wrestling fan in 1997. It was fantastic. It was. It was. You were like the king. If you knew this <laughs> stuff. Um, but anyway, this match you know, is going you know on. Aaron, you know mm-hmm. when you were really super cool in school too? Like when it was the, oh, the Sunday know. night of a pay-per-view? Oh, yeah. It was, like, it was Sunday night of a pay-per-view and you got to watch it, but all your school friends had to go to bed and you'd come to school telling them what happened at the pay-per-view? 
Yes. It was like everybody was like enthralled. I'll I'll tell you <laughs> what happened at Royal Rumble. Yes, come sit next to me. <laughs> I was a human Google. <laughs> a Hugo. Shawn Michaels was Google. Shawn Michaels was even booed in San Antonio. No, yes. <laughs> During this match, um, they're talking about Raw returning. They do a little foreshadowing because uh, a fan is taunting Jerry Lawler with an ECW sign. And Lawler, obviously, this fan is a plant, but he is um, agitating Lawler with the ECW sign. Lawler's not really putting it over much. He's kind of agitated by it. And um, Rocky ends up hitting his shoulder breaker finisher on Leaf Cassidy and getting the one, two, three. Um, then Lawler gets really mad and grabs the sign and rips it up and says the ECW is either full of misfits or has-beens or never was's, never was's, um, and basically just calls it trash. Um, you guys, I'll just go through this. You guys got anything to add? You can add where you I, I always felt that I always felt that Rock, uh, as Rocky Maivia, the outfit, obviously, that he came out with, which I know was a to pay homage to Peter Maivia, his grandfather, but it looked really weird on him. And I think after the second or third time he wore it, it should have been scrapped. Uh, and his finishers were really dull at this point. You know, he had that shoulder breaker that you mentioned, then he started doing a splash, which, which was really awkward for him to do it. I always thought that the float over DDT was a better finisher for him because he hit it so crisply. Hmm. Uh, but this was a really bad time for Rocky Maivia. He, like you said, Aaron, he didn't he didn't get booed or cheered. And the fans were just like, "Oh fuck, it's him again." Okay, everybody get quiet. I want to tell a quick funny story. Archie mentioned the outfit that Rocky wore. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I will, uh, as a collector, I will check the shopgoodwill.com website because they do auctions on there. Okay. Yes, you do. They'll, they'll have lots of WWF figures or whatever, whatever. Um, it used to be more fun because before people knew about it, I could get stuff real cheap. Now people know about it. So, you know, you get fucked out of a lot of auctions. But anyway, that's beside the point. The other day, there was a lot that I looked at. I didn't, I ultimately didn't bid on it, but I found it humorous. It had a bunch of different figures in it, and it was a bunch of, um, it was a mix of like BCAs and elites and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, but they had, they had a, a, um, <laughs> they had a Triple H figure in the lot, but on him, they had the Rocky Mayavia. Like, oh God! <laughs> like they were like the Rocky Maivia figure was nowhere in the lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they had the little you know little thing he wore around his neck with the with the tassels and stuff on it on a Triple H figure. I just I don't know. I found it humorous. I am the game. game. Do they think that was his thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Usually, what ends up happening is people find their old toys and they just take this big mass picture. And whatever uh, accessories they find, they just throw them on whoever they can because it's yeah. like, this is all you're getting. This is everything. Like a, yeah, you'll see like a Papa Shango top hat on Shawn Michaels, you know? Right, right. <laughs> they happened. What? Virgil will have they the, happened at some point in real life. <laughs> Virgil will have Shawn the Michaels. belt on his, on his waist. You yeah. can't tell me in right. 1992. Shawn Michaels definitely wore yeah, you can't tell me in 1992, Charles Wright and Shawn Michaels never party together. 
<laughs> Sean, put Wait. on my hat and take a puff. Ain't no way. <laughs> a puff of this, Sean. It's the it's the heartbreak kid, Sean Go Michaels. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um. Then Goldust and Marlena are interviewed because the pay per view was the debut of China, and China. We don't know if she's China yet. She attacked um, uh, Marlena. Well, this time they um, Triple H comes out and attacks, or Goldust and Marlena are cutting a promo in the ring. Hunter comes out and interrupts, attacks Goldust. <laughs> Marlena jumps on Triple H. And then the mystery woman once again attacks. And obviously the mystery woman, like I said, is China. She attacks Marlena. And they actually do a really good job with this because Lawler is even like, put her in jail. You know, like even Lawler's like, these stupid fans can't be jumping. He's like, like basically like the same ECW, like these stupid fans can't right. be jumping the crowd and right. getting in. Like, like, so it wasn't even like, oh yeah, get her, get her. Cause are trying to present it as being she's a fan that's obsessed with Triple H and wants to protect him. Right. So I thought that was a pretty good touch. Um, and this is actually... Her not, her not talking helped out immensely. See, if she would have said anything or cut a promo, someone would have been able to tell that she was a wrestler already. Yeah. But her just being silent and deadly was perfect. Yeah, and, and I'd yeah. say up until... Up until like '99, when Russo got so much power in the writing of the shows and stuff, that was the best China. Yeah, most definitely. And especially this at this time, like before she got all her work done and everything like that. Like I just, I, I, it, it's not even the fact that oh she was just so terrible or whatever. It's just the fact that I didn't like her wrestling dudes. And all that mm. shit, and she wasn't actually that good of a wrestler. She was just more of an attraction. And yeah, she- th- definitely this point through DX because th- at this point, you know, being the monster, she does a great job with this. And then through DX, which obviously we'll get to it in the future, but her being, um, being the semi-serious chick surrounded by these clowns, you know, and she's got like. Right. You know they're making their jokes, and 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 instead of like participating in the jokes, she's kind of rolling her eyes at it. Maybe she'll maybe she'll get a little shitty shitty smirk once in a while. But she did such a good job being that quote unquote straight man in DX. Yeah, right. And and this is the um, this is the infancy of the China character. That's the other funny fun thing about going back and watching this stuff is because you're like. You can you can pay more attention to it and watch it evolve mm-hmm. than when it was just going on because then it was just China was just China you know what I mean like you don't notice the evolution of things. Um, right. The next match is the Headbangers versus Matt and Jeff Hardy. Um, this is their first appearance in 1997 on Raw at least. I know they were there before, but 97 this is the first time, and this time. Is they actually have like I think this is them finally saying okay we're gonna try to do something with these kids because they call them Matt and Jeff they have a they have a they have a look and they're fighting the headbangers and it's actually not a bad match right um, they actually get some offense then yes and the and the headbangers I think we're an <clears throat> under team 
and they do really good here. Um, they do a split screen where Farouk WrestleMania 13 is one of the most tweaked WrestleManias of all time. But um, at the start of this, Farouk is just challenging Ahmed Johnson to a singles Chicago street fight, which we'll later on find out what happens with that. Um, during the match, uh, Lawler talks about how uncool uh, Jim Ross is and talking about the headbangers, saying, like, do you even like the headbangers music? And Jim Ross is like, what, what? And he's like, you know, like Marilyn Manson. And Jim Ross goes, I've never even heard of that woman. <laughs> um, and he says that, it, and they make some other like metal jokes. And then um, they announce that the WWF title match is up next, which is another really smart thing because they're going into the top of the hour. So they're like, hey, yeah, two hours now. We don't right. want you anybody getting bored. Anybody who changed the channel, TWW got the phone call from their buddy. Hey, Raw's about to have the world title match. Come back and come back and watch. Yeah. So everybody flip back to Raw, only to be disappointed again. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I wasn't disappointed. I think it's cool. But no, the you know what I mean. Yeah, the Headbangers end up winning that match with the stage dive, and then, excuse me, Sid comes back out to show Bret Hart walking into the ring, and Steve Austin attacks him. In the back, Brett doesn't doesn't even get out of the arena or out of the backstage of the arena. Sid runs back there to to try to stop Steve from beating up Brett. Vince McMahon and a bunch of other officials break it up. And it's a big clusterfuck. And it goes to break. And then Kevin Kelly comes back and he's interviewing Gorilla Monsoon who promises the match will happen. We're not like the other guys. When we say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And he's going yeah. to make sure it happens tonight. That was the fun thing about Raw being live on weeks after, like the night after a pay-per-view. Because you'd get them throwing those little pot shots at WCW that they couldn't do on a taped show. Yeah. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to you know, be going on that week. So they so just, like... When it was live, though, Raw got to retaliate just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is fun. Um, uh, where am I at here? Gorilla Monsoon just told us we're getting our title match tonight. Yes. Sorry. Um, Terry, uh, Flash Funk is now going to go one-on-one with Owen Hart. And I was like, suck it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, suck it, Nitro. Like, if I, like if Nitro was even on and somebody was like, like Owen Hart's fighting ta- Flash Funk, I've been like, even, even in 97, <laughs> like, I want to see this. Um, and Flash Funk comes out first, and he's got um, the Funkettes with him. And this is actually pretty funny. Jerry Lawler's like, this is awesome. Can I get some Kingettes? Okay. <laughs> and Jim Ross goes, you sure can, but yours would probably be portly. <laughs> <laughs> said, you sure can, but yours would probably be portly. And Jim and Lawler's like, what? <laughs> Why do they got to be portly? And Ross is just like, don't think about it or whatever. And yeah. <laughs> going. Um, and then during the match, um, which is actually like a really good match, obviously it's Owen Hart and Flash Funk. 
It's fucking phenomenal. Um, an ECW rep calls into the, the Monday Night Raw, and he gets patched through, and obviously it's Paulie Dangerously, and um, accepts Lawler's challenge. I forgot to mention that Lawler had challenged ECW to come to the Manhattan Center next week. Um, Lawler brings up Blue Meanie, Sandman, Sabu, um, um, and he, and Paulie says they'll, they'll be there, and then he asks Lawler if he has to call the neighborhood watch and let him know and let them know he'll be in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh god! And it kind of kind of goes a little off the rails there, and they end up hanging up. I think when you bring in pedophilia, it's pretty much like okay, let's end the segment. Um, <laughs> notice something, and I'll just say it real quick. But notice, and and again, this is like Aaron said: own heart versus versus two cold Scorpio. That's a fantastic match. Um, Savio Vega versus what was it, Mark Marrow? I'm sure that was halfway decent. But or even Rocky versus uh, Bubba da Bubba. Who did he face? Leaf Cassidy. But you have these matches Rocky going on. But no, Rocky didn't suck at this time. Like he was just. Well, no. No, but what I'm saying is notice another thing they're doing to keep your eyes on the show is while these matches are going on in the ring, there's also something else going on. Farouk's doing a split screen. They've got a call in from Paul Heyman. You know, they're trying to keep your attention on the show and and not want you to turn the channel because there's just a match going on in the ring. Yeah. So it's all good stuff. Um Bulldog ends up coming out and kicking Clarence Mason away from ringside. They talk about how Clarence Mason's burned the candle at both ends, trying to be in the nation. Plus, um, um, I must have just gotten off of work when I wrote this note because I didn't write Clarence Mason. I wrote Clarence Mason. (laughs) But anyway, Bulldog (laughs) kicks out old Clarence Mason. We've got no clearance, Clarence. Yeah. (laughs) From airplane. Yeah. Don't call me Clarence. (laughs) <laughs> How do you like your coffee? Like my men, strong and black. <laughs> <laughs> the shit just hit the fan. <laughs> what kind of plane is it? It's a big white one with a red stripe around it. Looks like a giant Tylenol. Give <laughs> me, give me stewardess. I speak jive. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> or when they give him the paperwork. I like the gay dude. He's one of my favorite characters. On oh, there. God, he's fantastic. I can make a hat. I can make a beard. Yeah, what can you make of this? I can make a hat. I can make a bow. <laughs> you know what? Last week, uh, uh, the the listeners don't know, but Aaron and Archie know, I had a fucking week at work, okay? I don't know how many times throughout the week I was like, uh, I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing, huffing glue. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I picked the wrong day to stop doing crack. <laughs> anyway, I know we got off the rails yes. there. Well, um, and uh, Owen ends up winning that match because Bulldog ends up hitting him with the slammy, and Owen hits his spin wheel and gets the one, two, three. Um, then they play the first hype for WrestleMania 13. It's just like a generic WrestleMania video. Like just the immortals, whatever, because they don't know what the fuck they're doing yet at WrestleMania. Um, because Sean, Sean kind of ruined that. They knew what they were doing, but then Sean lost the smile, so it was like, oh, fuck, we got to start from square one. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that if you read about WrestleMania 13, that they initially were going to like, we're going to do this, 
Mm-hmm. And WrestleMania 13 turned out to be nothing like they anticipated. Yeah, yeah it was going to be Austin versus Bulldog. Vader versus Sean. Vader versus Mick. Yeah. <laughs> everything and nothing that they had on. It was just supposed to be Ahmed versus. But it turned Drew. out better, though. Oh, it's just it one of my favorite WrestleManias. But it's just nothing that they. It's I've never seen a WrestleMania, or at least that I know of, that when they were like, this is where we're starting, this is where we're going to end, and nothing was like it. But it's a fantastic show. Um, the next match is Triple H versus Bart Gunn. The Honky Tonk Man comes out. Um, um, he's talking about um, <clears throat> trying to find the, the Intercontinental, find the next Honky Tonk Man, the next greatest Intercontinental champion of all time. Um, he says, he did, they ask him about the mystery woman. He says, I don't know a lot about her, but I know she's the type of woman I like. So apparently the honky tonk man wants to wants to bang the mystery woman. And that match ends in count out because Gold Dust comes out and chases Triple H away. Um probably the only match Bart Gunn got a win in that wasn't a brawl for a brawl match. Yeah. <laughs> or against Billy. Um Right. Then uh, we get an update from Dr. James Andrews about Shawn Michaels. And says that it wasn't a career-ending injury, and eventually, if he does, like they basically say, if he doesn't have surgery and just rehabs and does what he has to do, he could probably get back in the ring. But if he had surgery, it would be a fifty-fifty chance if he could. So, sounds like Shawn Michaels is going to elect to not have surgery. Um, this is where Brett calls bullshit, and the first time he really that I know of that him and Sean are kind of like, he's just basically, I like, guess bullshit and Brett doesn't like it. He doesn't do that in real life yet, but mm-hmm. um, basically Brett says that Sean lied. He did. He did. Yeah, he but, did. but on television, on television, he was all like, you know, I hope Sean gets better. I feel for him. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm still the world heavyweight champion. So, you know, he was still playing the political card of not trying to be a, an asshole on television. Yet. Yet. Um, so now we're finally going to get your main event. We're finally going to get the WWF championship match. Um, Brett comes out. Sid comes out. The bell rings. And they're like, yeah. like People are like, finally, this thing's going to go. Um, it's actually not a bad match. Um, I put in my notes, with someone good, Sid is good. Like when he's actually in there with somebody that can actually get a good thing out of him, a good thing, a good right. match out of him, he's enjoyable. You put Sting in the ring with Kevin Nash? Nope. Yeah. Oh, no. And that's not knocking Kevin Nash. But Kevin Nash is not a good wrestler. But you put him in there with somebody like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, even Sting, you know, mm-hmm. somebody like that, you can get something out of him. And Some guys need, need a, 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 someone to take control of the match and lead them to a good match. Yeah. Lex Luger was the same way. Lex Luger yeah, was right. the same way. He had his best. He his best matches were with somebody that could um, make best, him. Oh, go ahead. Make, I was just gonna say that his best matches were just like Sid, somebody that can make him have to work up to them. His best matches right. were with Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, Brian Pillman, and Sting. That's the only yeah, time I right. ever enjoyed Lex Luger in the ring. Other than that, he's a turkey. 
This his worst match was with Barry Windham. Yeah, I've seen some. And that other... wasn't Windham's fault. I've seen that wasn't some. Windham's fault. No, I'm talking about Windham's fault had... for the title, though. Yeah, I've had okay. Maybe his first, maybe one of his worst big stream, like mainstream matches. I had to watch Lex Luger versus Roadblock. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. When he came yes. up for the torture rack, it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, I had to watch that. I had to watch him fight Ron Reese. Come on now. No, you're right about that. You're right about okay. that. <laughs> like 1997. If 19, if 1989-91 Lex Luger is the best Lex Luger, 1995-1998 through 1998 Lex Luger is fucking horrible. Just horrible. His little last run. We get the like, fans. We get the fans were cheering though. Look at so how bad that is. The fans were cheering out for him in '97 and '98, but it was, was so the boring. worst he ever was. He's boring. Him and Giant was like, ugh. But we'll get there. Um, Bret Hart. Um, this is the debut of Bret Hart doing the figure four on the corner. Um, I hadn't seen him do it before this in the stuff that I'm watching. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it before him. Like, I've never seen that. Like, maybe no. somebody did it in Japan or something like that. But I think Brett, I think he, that's something that Brett can say he invented, I think. I agree. I don't know if I ever really see very many people do it now. But I don't watch a lot of modern wrestling. Charlotte, I saw Charlotte Flair do it recently, like a couple of months ago. But she did it terribly. And I watched somebody try to do it in Japan. And the guy tried to do it in Japan on his opponent, and his opponent's legs were too short. So the guy almost literally almost broke his own neck because he was standing on his own head. And when the guy let go, he came down hard on his own head. And I was like, Jesus. Well, Brett invented it, and he did it right here. Um, Sid ends up... um, Sorry, Brett ends up knocking Sid down, and um, Austin comes out and he nails he nails Sid, and then he hits Brett with a chair. Brett hits the power bomb, or Brett hits the power bomb. Sid hits the power bomb, and then he pins him one, two, three, and we have a new champion, Sid Vicious, Psycho Sid Vicious. Brett Hart's title reign only lasted one day, one, one day, and it was ended by. That shithead Steve Austin. At this time, he's still a shithead. He's still like an asshole. He's starting to become cool, but he's still like, he's not like happy to go, like, I'm going to beat up only the mean guys. Like, he's just like everybody. Fuck them all. And um, Sid ends up winning. The place goes fucking nuts. For one, they're in Nashville. So Sid was, I talked about this on another episode. Like, it seems like, like Tennessee is like Canada where the fact <laughs> is if you were over there, like if you worked there, they, they love you. Yep. You're, just, you're their guy now. Ten- and, Tennessee and Kentucky both. Yes. So if you work for USWA or, 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 or uh championship wrestling down there, whatever down there, you, you're, you're, and you come back, you're, you're the king. And Sid was super fucking over. And then they go even more batshit crazy because the Undertaker comes out and him and Sid have a face-to-face. They don't touch. And Jim Ross says that uh, finally our WrestleMania main event 
has been decided. It's going to be Sid versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 13. And, that's and I, am, I am pretty positive, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I also believe this is the first time that the WWF Championship ever changed hands on Monday Night Raw. I think you're right. I'd have to go back and research right. it. I'd have to go back and research it, but I think it is. I don't. I don't remember. It did, definitely didn't happen in ninety four, three, ninety four, ninety five. Barely even got so. defended. <laughs> yeah, you're right. yeah, but yeah, you're I right. think it is. I think I think it is the first time. But anyway, beside the point. There's just a little history there right. for the so moment. This, this was a really the good Undertaker show. coming out. The Undertaker coming out at the ending of Raw was meant to say, F you, Brett, you're not getting another shot. But we find out a couple weeks down the road that Brett still has one more title shot left in him before WrestleMania. Just to see if they could ruin the WrestleMania main event one more time. So, all in all, very good Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And unless you guys have anything else on it, we can move into Nitro. Unless you guys need a break. I don't yet. Nope. All right. I'm good. All right. WCW Monday Nitro, February 17th, 1997 from the Florida State Fairgrounds. I WCW always went to fairgrounds and they tell you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't tell people you're at the fairgrounds. Like, don't say you're at the state fair. Like, they literally were at the state fair of like, stop telling people that. Yeah, we're... WWF, say, like, Vince would go to dumpy places, but he didn't tell you. He'd just make it up. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd say, oh, like, if there... He, I don't want to say it. Like, if he was in a... I don't know. If they're in, like, a dumpy town or whatever, they tell you whatever town it is is closest to them. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. say the marquee yeah. town, not the dumpy town, right? Yeah, don't say... Don't tell <laughs> you're at the fair. Anyway, see that's that was WCW making it worse too because we talked about this last week, I think, Aaron, when they used to go to Sturgis and would be like, "There's eighty nine thousand bikers here," and no, they're not there at Road Wild though; they're there at Sturgis. You just so happen to go to Road to go to Sturgis and make Road Wild. So you're <laughs> at the fairground right now, and you're like, "We have twenty seven thousand people here at the fairground." Yes, because they came to the fair. They didn't for the buy fucking, it for WCW. They came for the fucking <laughs> Tilt-A-Whirl and deep-fried Oreos. <laughs> right. Not Nobody Hugh Morris versus, not for Hugh Morris versus Mongo McMichael, which is an actual <laughs> right. match on this show. Right. Anyway, right. the show opens up. Uh, Tony and Larry are your announced... T- Tony and Larry. Tony, <laughs> Siobhan, and Larry Zabisco are your announced team. Um, the NWO arrives, they're walking in, and all of a sudden, like, they're all doing the whole, woo, the NWO thing, and then Big Bubba mysteriously goes down, and they're like, what the, what the yeah. fuck? And Bubba's down, and they're all checking on him and everything like that, but nobody saw what happened to him. Um, so, the first match out the shoot is Rey Mysterio. They don't do a lot other than that at the beginning of the show. They don't do a lot of hyping. There's not a lot of videos or anything like that. Just Here's the NWO. Bubba gets knocked down. And obviously, Tony and Larry, they're, it's like it's an NWO guy, so fuck them. 
you know, the show on the road. And it's Rey Mysterio versus Super Calo, which is actually a pretty good match. Is this going on? Definitely. Is this going on? Big Bubba's being shown uh, being loaded into the ambulance, and um, Michael Wall Street offers to go with Big Bubba to the hospital. Um, because they're buddies. Yeah, they're buddies. In the, in well, the NWO, the in the NWO like hierarchy, those two are buddies. Like yeah. <laughs> they're like the the D Bumble. team, you know, yeah, they're middle management. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, like they're looking at Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Hogan, being like, yeah, yeah. And then when they leave, be like, the fucking benefits of this place, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised a lot of pussy. Yeah. I've got no pussy. <laughs> moderate, moderate amounts of pussy. Bubba's like, well, well, in 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 their defense on that one, you are Michael Wall Street. Come on now. Bubba's like, all even the all even that t for. yeah even that t shirt ain't gonna yeah. You're real sweaty, Mike. You're real sweaty. You are Michael Wall Street. You're always very sweaty, man. And Bubba Rogers like, all I asked for was a t-shirt that fit, but they had to cut it at the sides. <laughs> Couldn't even get a fitting t-shirt, man. So he goes with his buddy to the hospital. Um, nobody, else was like, nobody else was like, Mike, we'll I go think- instead. It's like, go ahead. The, the funny thing is, is, after this, we never see them again. I mean, on the show, on Nitro in general. So, this match is going on. Um, Rey Mysterio ends up getting a West Coast pop. They didn't call it that at the time. And beating Rey Mysterio. And he is going into Super Brawl to face Steven Regal. Which um, they talk about. And Regal kind of comes out and watches Rey Mysterio. Um and if I remember right, it's a fantastic match at Super. I mean, how could it not be Steven Regal versus Rey Mysterio? But that's coming right. up. Um, the next match. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert, it doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. He fights fucking Prince Ikea. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yes. Sorry. He's <laughs> <laughs> your bubble. <laughs> Anyway, uh. <laughs> I wanted I wanted Regal and Mysterio too, but we got I had Mysterio. The next match is an uh match as well. It's Hugh Morris, like I said, the aforementioned Hugh Morris versus Steve Mongo McMichael. <clears throat> the least you can say about this, the better. It's very bad, just very very bad. Um. Hugh Morris gets uh, Mongo. Hugh Morris gets him down, and he goes through the super the the moonsault on a Steve McMichael. But Deborah throws him his briefcase, and he holds it, and he ends up soup like moonsault in the briefcase, and Mongo pins him. I want to throw a thought in here real quick, and I don't know if, as we've talked about these shows, if I've said this out loud or not. If I have, you guys can be like Jesus, Nate. You already said this. I don't necessarily have a problem with Steve McMichael. Here's my thing about McMichael. We've discussed him. Okay. Because my thing about him is I like him. 
I like him as a personality. I like his promos and stuff. And he was serviceable if he was teaming with Arn Anderson or Dean Malenko or somebody, you know, or Chris Benoit or whatever. He was fine in a team where he could come in and just kind of be the the guy that punches and kicks and then t- tag in the wrestler. He never should have been put in a singles action. You know what I mean? Because he was a good personality. I totally agree. And he should have never been like a U.S. champion. Mm -hmm. Any of that. Any of that. But this thing stunk. Definitely shouldn't have fought Reggie White at Slammery. Oof. Kevin Green was bad enough, but at least Kevin could fight. Yeah, this thing stunk to high heaven. And the sooner it got in and out, the better. Then they played a like really sappy Roddy Piper video, like showing like him with his kid and all that. It's just it kind of I don't want to say went in reverse with it, but it kind of it made him seem kind of weak. And a lot now, of what they did make Piper seem weak. I, and, and it kind of, to me, that's what it did to me. I was just like, eh. like, it's like when Ricky Steamboat would have his family out there with him all the time and stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, it was cool at the moment that the boy was out there. And like I said, I liked that segment and everything, but don't, don't keep harping on it. And he's like, I got to do it. For it's like, no, just that was cool segment at that moment, but move on. Um, then, um, Dean Malenko um, comes out and um, he is facing Robbie Brookside. Robbie Brookside just shows up. <laughs> Here he is. Um, and later on, there's another British guy. So they must have been trying to do something. I don't know if they're trying to work something out with, with like whatever the British promotion would have been at the time over there. I don't think World of Sport, but anyway. <laughs> No, uh, I think at that point it would have been oh I I'm gonna like the top what was it top wrestling or something like that. Yeah. But Malenko comes out and Roller Roller Bowl Rocco has joined the NWO. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, but Malenko cuts a promo, which he doesn't do very much, and Tony and Larry do a good job of saying that if Dean's cutting a promo, he must be really pissed. And he's talking about six. Um, Brookside doesn't really do anything in this match, even though he was really good, but in this match, he does nothing. Um, Malenko gets a uh, Texas Cloverleaf on him, and Sixpot comes out and says that he respected Boris Malenko, um, because Boris Malenko trained X-Pac. He respected Boris Malenko, but he's dead now, so it doesn't really matter, and he doesn't respect Dean Malenko at all. Um, so they went with some realism in this feud, which I always enjoy as long as you do it respectfully. Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't like, oh, you're dead daddy. He said, you know, I respected your father. Like, basically he was saying, I respected your father enough to where I didn't do anything to you, even though I could have, but he ain't here no more. And he's like, your dad, your daddy trained me. You didn't train me. So I don't owe you shit. That's basically Mm -hmm. what he said. And he was like, yep. so he ain't around. If the, basically, it's like, if your dad around, I probably wouldn't be kicking the shit out of you and stealing your belts. But your daddy's dead, so that part gets <laughs> over. And, uh, yeah, suck it. <laughs> um, so that's really well done. Then the NWO interrupts the show. 
um, Hall, Nash, and Pac. Um, um, sorry. They're involved. Uh, they're talking about the car crash that involved them and the Steiners. Um, tape of the accident. Um, hold on. I want to make sure. I want to make sure what I saw. Yeah. Basically, there, there's a tape of this this car incident between the Steiner brothers mm-hmm. and the NWO, and um, and they, they 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 haven't seen the tape yet. Nobody knows exactly what happened, but the outsiders, they're, they're just some kind of thing happened. Something happened, and we're going to see it presented though. The way they present the outsiders are acting like a freaking Scott Steiner tried to run them off the road. Or yeah, draw, or like, they haven't them seen the video. Car. Yeah, but they, they haven't seen the video, though. Well, when they haven't seen the video, like, video yet. totally different. I'm not they saying anything video. about it, but it's like, you know, it's the worst stock footage I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, uh, Zabisco wants to fight Scott Hall. Um, Scott Hall kind of backpedals away from Zabisco a little bit, um, and then they leave. And the Amazing French Canadians versus the Public Enemy, and I wrote "fucking hell." Uh, <laughs> Are you sure, it's not the Quebecers. No, uh, it's French Canadians. They're oh, good. He's making sure he's, he's punk. He's Public Enemy, man. Ugh, fuck. Like I said, fucking hell. So bad. Um, so bad. Which they end up beating the Amazing French Canadians, mm-hmm. and. Then Mean Gene interviews DDP, and DDP is hinting that he's the one that took out Big Bubba, and then just basically admits that he's the one that took out Big Bubba. And then we get Prince I. <laughs> Mystery solved. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's not. It's not even like investigated. He comes out. He's like, "Yo, remember what you guys were talking about about forty-five minutes ago? Yeah, I did that. That was me. I did that. It was me." <laughs> It was me. It was me. Like it wasn't it was even me, like, oh, me, look at this. Yeah, it wasn't even like, oh, look at this security footage we found. And you see, like DDP sneak up and sneak away. He's just like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and the funny part is, like, the NWO doesn't even come out and attack him or like want to fight him or anything. They're just like, yeah, he took out middle man. Yeah, they took out middle man. I think that's why I'm going to start calling anybody on the B team with the NWO. <laughs> middle management. Middle management. <laughs> but see, you said that B team, that they weren't even B team. B team was like when Stevie Ray and Brian Adams and Virgil would get together. This was like they called a D team. These were like guys who joined the NWO for no reason whatsoever. We're just like, well, they need more money. Give them into Wall Street and Bubba. I just picture the NWO voice guy going, middle management. Middle management, right. D team, did the D team. Middle management. <laughs> Mediocre pussy at best. <laughs> like, All right, I'm sorry. What, anyway. what did that voiceover guy just say? I like being on Aaron's show because I don't have to be professional. I don't have to be right. the host. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the host, and I'm not. I'm not gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> then Prince Iakea is going to fight Stephen Regal here for the television championship. 
Um, Mean Gene interviews Regal on the way to the ring, says he's a fighting champion. They're having their match. Prince Iakea ends up winning the WCW World Television Championship from Lord Steven Regal off the distraction of Rey Mysterio. So at one point, at one point in the history of the WCW World Television Championship, Scott Hall dunked it in a trash can like a basketball. The only thing to ever worse to ever happen to that title was when Prince Iakeo won that title. Yes. <laughs> you know why? You guys know why he, the title was put on him? Because Kevin Sullivan liked him. No. Because Eric Bischoff and Kevin Kevin Sullivan both looked at him and went, he looks a lot like the like Rocky Maivia. <laughs> and they've got the Intercontinental title on there on that guy. So we should do the same thing on our show. Yeah, like nothing like Rocky Maivia. You don't man. believe me? <laughs> I know that, but they felt it was similar. Samoan, you know. If you don't believe me, there's a shoot video on Kevin Sullivan and Kev and and Eric Bischoff saying it. They all did it to capitalize on Rocky Maivia. Why I don't know. They Worst were definitely in the entire industry. They were definitely wrong. I mean, he wasn't. All right, I don't want to. I don't want to make this the Prince Iakea show. Has, the match he has with Rey Mysterio at that pay per view now with him with the title was botcherific. Yeah, no. What I will say about Iakea is that I, I, where I will come to his defense is he was he was a he was a what do I say he was a moderately decent worker. He's However, he's boring. He was boring, and at this right. point, at this time, he was not ready for national stage pro wrestling. No, no. Um, so, in other words, maybe if you'd have given him a couple of years, he could have gotten better because he wasn't awful. But like Aaron said, he was boring, and he just it, and like I said, he was just not he was not ready for this type of a position. No, he really wasn't. So, and then the next match is if Randy Anderson can beat Nick Patrick. He gets his job back. Okay. So Nick Patrick comes out. Um, Randy Anderson comes Here out. Jimmy Jet um, gives uh, Randy Anderson a pair of brass knuckles, just hands yep. them to him, right on camera. Um, and as that is going on, obviously Nick Patrick doesn't see it because he's talking a bunch of shit to the fans. And then um, they ring the bell to start the match. Randy Anderson decks Nick Patrick with the brass knuckles, pins him one, two, three, and that's the end of the match. And now Randy Anderson has his job back, or so he thinks, because then Eric Bischoff comes out, confronts Anderson and Jet about the fucking brass knuckles, talking about how bad of it was. Uh, yeah, talking about how. <clears throat> how it wasn't the right thing to do, and Jimmy Jett should be ashamed of himself, and so should Randy Anderson. So then he fires both of them. So now Jimmy Jett and Randy Anderson are out of work. You guys there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I just didn't, everybody, 
blanked out on me there for a minute. But no, I think I'm a little bit of a lag. I'm sorry about that. All right. Well, Randy Anderson and Jimmy Jett are now both fired because of this, and that is how this segment ends. And it kind of jumped the shark a little bit <laughs> with Randy Anderson and Eric thing. Like, this should have just been it. It's like, okay, Randy's back, whatever. But it's kind of jumped the shark. Um, but it was a fun little segment. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The next match... Um, there's nothing to report here, but it's Chris Benoit versus Roadblock. Wow, that's an that's an odd pairing. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Yes. And I can't figure out why. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know why it's happening. Like in my mind, I thought, oh man, is he getting ready to fight like the Giant or something? And then I'm like, no, the Giant is in this other thing with the Outsiders. You know what I mean? So I don't know why right. it's happening. But Chris Benoit ends up beating Roadblock. Like I said, there's nothing to report. He hits a swan dive, headbutt on him, takes him out. Um, now, the next thing <coughs> is the video. The video of the car accident. Um, the NWO's driving through, and they're like, oh, look at this town. Like, I don't know exactly where they were at, but they're just making fun of the town. This is like, oh, this, this is like supposedly like before it or whatever. But they're mm-hmm. videotaping an Xbox in the back seat or whatever. And like Scott Hall's like, yep, oh, this is where WCW has their spot shows. It's <laughs> like, dump town or whatever. There's nothing better than inside baseball, Scott Hall. Yeah. But he <laughs> meant that. Yes. He meant yes. it. He wasn't trying like, to be I, like NWO Scott Hall. He was like, "We go to when, when, whenever, yeah, whenever I see a segment with Scott Hall on WCW because he never put obviously he never pulled that shit in the WWE, but um, whenever I see a segment involving Scott Hall in WCW, I like froth at the mouth because I'm waiting for the inside baseball shit because Scott Hall he was so good at that like it, it, at being. At shooting, but not shooting, you well, know. And he could also get away with it because if somebody was like, "Why'd you say that?" He was like, "I'm just, I'm in the NWO, right?" I didn't mean that. That's my character, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's like, nah, okay I guess. <laughs> I like, mm. <laughs> my favorite Scott Hall lines are the well, "What are we too close to Portland?" Yeah, was it real? I love those. <laughs> but I also like when they're like, okay, and now Triple H, Triple H will hit Sting with the Sting will go for the Stinger Splash, but Triple H will hit him with this with the butt of the head sl- and sledgehammer and then pin him one, two, three. And Kevin Ash is like, Scott looked at me and was like, shit, Sting needs to get a better lawyer. <laughs> Sting needs to get a better lawyer. <laughs> First match, only match the WWE's going to lose. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fucking great line. And you know, you know, <coughs> Ash Horse laughed at that shit. <laughs> but anyway, they go to show this car accident, and it's, I remember it being bigger than what it was as a kid. I don't know. 
But um, they see the Steiners and they're getting in their car at the gas station or whatever. And they're just slowly following behind them. And then they end up um, like they're just kind of making fun of them and shit like that. And then they end up um, basically getting up beside them, bumpering them a little bit, and then getting on the side of them. And Scotty's like yelling at him and shit. And he goes over to the driver's side and Rick's yelling at him. And then they sideswipe him. The car goes towards a ditch. Hits like a some kind of incline. Flipped over. Basically, the Steiners are dead. The Outsiders and Kevin, the Outsiders <laughs> and X-Pac or six Pac at this time. Are basically like, oh no, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> They're like, Put the camera off, and we've just been incriminated. Right away. <laughs> right. All right, as a kid, like Aaron said, we didn't know any better. We were like, oh damn, this was crazy. As an adult rewatching that, like, why would you bring that tape to show people? You basically just committed murder. <laughs> and I don't remember it being as cool as it was. Like, <laughs> kid, I thought, eh, I don't know. But like when I watch it now, or I shouldn't even say that. Like I, I know there's like bigger angles and stuff and polarizing things that have happened in wrestling. But I remember people like shitting on this segment. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it was that bad. And it was like, funny. I, it, it, it got. <laughs> It was, so it was very lame. It was lame. Yeah, like, I don't know why I expected to be in a movie. But yeah, like when they flipped the car and they're all just like, oh, no. no. <laughs> Turn the camera off. Like they weren't even <laughs> expecting that to happen. For the whole video, good. they're laughing. Paul Nash and Six are laughing through the whole video until the car flips and then it really got real. Like, and they're like, oh, oh that was not our intention. Oh, <laughs> right. Land. Oh, I think we just did their manslaughter. We gotta go. Let's, let's take the tape. Let's take the tape to Monday Night Nitro and play it in front of millions of people. They need to see this shit. Yes. So that that's how that segment ends. And then obviously Larry and Tony are like ups are. <clears throat> Sorry, Larry and Bobby and everybody, they're all upset about it or whatever. Talking about how disgusting it is. But it was pretty funny. Um, then, um, Mean Gene Oakland is going to be interviewing Kevin Sullivan, Miss Jackie, and Jimmy Hart because the leather strap match is coming up between Chris Benoit um, and Kevin Sullivan, and the ladies are involved. Um, Kevin, so at the point, at this point, Kevin and Chris are going to be strapped together, and so is Jackie and Woman. Okay, right. I'm only explaining this because I want to say what Mean Gene says, and he didn't realize what he said. He interviews Kevin, and then he goes to Jackie, and he says, "Jackie will be outside the ring with her leather strap on." <laughs> Let me tell you about that mean gene. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Hart knows all about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> go 
but I'm like, me and Gene Okerlund did not realize what he just said. We just pegged oh, Jimmy wow. Hart in this segment. Yes. And I'm thinking about if Bobby Heenan actually heard what 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 me and Gene said, how hard was it for Bobby Heenan? Oh, sure Bobby Does just have to sit there and not say anything? Or if it's like, did nobody sure else Bobby catch Did nobody else catch that me and Gene Ogerlin just said Jackie will be outside the ring with her leather strap on? Like, good lord, this match is going to be controversial at best. Yeah. Um, Now, call me at 1 900 909 9900. I've got pictures. Is this a promo where Jackie and and Kevin go back and forth? Because we're too legit to put Danny over and over again. I don't think they say it on this. I don't remember. After I heard that Jackie would be out there, with her, after he okay. said that she was out there, going to be out there with her leather strap on, I didn't hear anything else. <laughs> okay, because I know for like four promos before the actual match, that's all Kevin Sullivan kept saying. I don't think he knew the context of what he was saying. Like, he didn't know it was an MC Hammer song. He was just saying it because Jackie said it and he thought it sounded cool. But I know they went off about it for like three weeks straight. So. <laughs> well, he's also now dating his ebony girlfriend, so he's just starting to learn about black culture. <laughs> right, right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like, he's going to be like, you have had cocoa butter, mean gene? <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to that Luther Bandross. Yeah. He puts me to sleep. in the crash. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, um, then Kevin beats some jobber and they're out of there, which I actually kind of like Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart and Miss Jackie. I don't know why. This is a little fun little trio. It was a weird combination. Uh, it was cool. Yeah. Well, then uh, the next match is um, Conan versus Eddie Guerrero. And it's really good for a cone. This might be the. I don't know if you guys will understand this statement or not, but it's really good for a Conan match and pretty decent for an Eddie Guerrero match. Makes perfect sense. Because Conan, like hell of a hell of a talent, like like I don't say promoter, personality, personality, like whatever. But Conan in the ring, kind of just never really did it for me. But when you're in there with Eddie Guerrero, you're just osmosis, man. You're just you're going to have a good match. Eddie and, Guerrero got a good match at a Luther Reigns. So, yeah. 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 That's true. And then um, that match ends in disqualification because the Dungeon of Doom gets involved and Jericho makes the save. I believe he's going to be fighting Eddie Guerrero coming up. And then we get a typical Four Horsemen promo. Won't go through all that. They're just talking about their issues. And then we get the Giant um, versus Johnny Swinger and a guy named the Masked Top Gun. It's a sounds like from indie results on Slice of Time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know who. I tried to Google it. Who was WCW Top Gun? And it was like Hulk Hogan, Kevin. <laughs> I don't think he was the biggest guy. Google. Who I want to play Top Gun. Who is this Jay Brown on Nitro? Yeah. 
Um, who was Top Gun? Tom, Tom Cruise. It was probably an Armstrong. Uh, but no, no, yeah. no, this guy was like, like chubby. No, all right. No probably chubby. a Viano then. One of chubby Armstrongs. It's a it's a, it's, v, it's, v, it's Viano it's Viano six. I don't know who it was, but he didn't last very long. And him and Johnny Swinger got beat. And Lex Luger comes out and he says that he's got a doctor's note saying that he can wrestle. And Bischoff says, um, which is kind of funny because Bischoff said, if you bring me a doctor's note, I'll let you wrestle at Super Brawl. But then Luger brings in the doctor's note and Bischoff's like, ain't good enough. <laughs> good enough doctor's note. So, no, you can't well, wrestle. Well, well to, to Bischoff's credit, Luger said, I can't get a doctor's note the week he asked him for it. He then brought it the following week. And that's when Bischoff said, nope, not going to let you use it. So it was a loophole in Bischoff's wording. Yeah. And then, because they didn't want Lex Luger on the on the card. Nobody does. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but then Roddy Roddy Piper is an Alcatraz. And like I said, the Hogan Piper stuff starts out so cool. And then they just start doing things that they shouldn't do. And I thought it was stupid that Roddy Piper was an Alcatraz. That's the other joke that Roddy. That's the other joke that Scott Hall said. I bet you got a lot of cigarettes and candy bars and Alcatraz, didn't you? <laughs> the problem with Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper's feuds in WCW and their rivalry in WCW comes down to, I personally think, a matter of first of all, like you know, okay, you talked about they played the little video for Roddy earlier. But he's probably not on the show live, is he? No, no, no. So he's your first problem, your first problem is you because of the the way the contract is structured, he probably only has a limited amount of dates per year. Right. So you can't have him on every show. So you got to stretch things out like elastic. Secondly, I'm sure both of them have had creative control. So you have you have Hogan being Hogan and Roddy being Roddy. At the end of the day, that's why their finishes always sucked because nobody wanted to take the pin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody wanted to be the definitive loser. So you never had any resolution. And like you said, the feuds got convoluted because they both want to be top dog, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I agree. Like I said, just him being an Alcatraz was stupid. Um, it really was. Then the next match is the final match of the show. It's Chris Jericho, excuse me, defeating Jeff Jarrett with outside interference from Steve McMichael, which Deborah's upset about. And then Hollywood Hogan comes out and he's cutting a rambling promo about Roddy Piper being an Alcatraz and this, that, and the other thing. And then, um, Sting and the Macho Man come out and they're just kind of quiet and Hogan and Bischoff are like happy about it and saying all this different stuff and then Sting goes like he wants to run to the ring but Randy Savage stops him. They turn around and leave and Bischoff is just like, hey guys, thanks for thanks for endorsing us and then Hogan poses and that's how Nitro ends. Pretty lame. 
This was a lame edition of WCW Nitro. <laughs> other than the other than the Snyder Bros getting ran off the road, nothing exciting happened on this entire show. Right. Hey, Big Bubba got laid out and had to go to the hospital. And twenty minutes later, some guy was like, "I did it." <laughs> <laughs> worst, worst mystery ever. <laughs> so now we'll roll into ECW, and this won't take very long. Not that it was a bad show, just that. Um, there wasn't very many there was people. Probably on it. One match and one match and thirty-five minutes worth of Pulp Fiction song and people's cut promos. And two matches, two matches. Okay. Um, at first they say it's at the Wonderland. This is in Boston, Massachusetts. It's at the Wonderland Wonderland Greyhound. So I, not being from Boston, was like, they set up at a gray, Greyhound station, <laughs> right? You. And I looked it up, and it's like, no, no, I, I misunderstood what they were saying. It was like a dog track. It was a big dog oh. track in Boston. I looked it up. I was like, I want to make sure I'm not saying that they're at the bus station for ECW. Right. <laughs> well, it's not stupid. Come on down to the bus I, station the, and watch ECW. The crazy part, though, is it, with ECW, it doesn't seem... Unfathomable. Unfathomable. <laughs> I had to look it up and make sure. We are yeah. here live where they filmed many scenes for adventures in babysitting. Yes. Because, <laughs> like, as I'm watching it, there's, like, ticket booths and shit. Like, I was like, they, they might, might actually be at a bus stop. And I looked, <laughs> I, I looked it up. And I was like, oh, that's why there's ticket counters and shit. Because people make bets and stuff on the I was like, okay. But it's still... Uh, it, it, it seems factual that they could be at the bus station. Can you, can you guys imagine the Raven promo? Elizabeth Shue filmed in this very bus station. And now <laughs> so have I. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. Like, I was like, man, Polly was like, they were like, hey, where's our, where's our plane tickets? Be like, nope, nope. Nope, we're taking a it's bus. Right, I can get you right to the building. Yes. <laughs> You have to pay your own fare home, though. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't even got him a round trip. No, not Polly. Yeah, that's funny. But anyway. <laughs> like, he's, like, he's like, call Dreamer if you have an issue with it. Right. <laughs> he's the one on the bus with me. But anyway, like I said, it's at a dog track. It's a dog track. It's no longer a dog track. I don't even know if there are dog tracks anymore. Probably legal now. Florida. Huh? Only in Florida. Only in Florida. Florida. There's a, that's yeah. a lot of things you can say only happen in Florida. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. Raven, he's cutting a promo. Um, first talking about Tommy Dreamer never being able to beat him. And then this is actually one of my favorite Tommy, this is one of my favorite Raven promos. He's talking about Tommy Dreamer never beat him. Um, then he starts talking about Terry Funk. And he calls him like an old crippled up cartoon and yep. says that Terry Funk reminds him of his father, and he always hated his father. That's why he hates Terry Funk. Yep. Terry Funk reminds him of his dad, and all the abuse and the alcohol and the molestation and everything like that all comes boiling out of him when he sees Terry Funk, and that's why he wants to kick his old ass. I, I just like that promo. Because and you know what? It, it really was powerful. I always, I know I always get off the rails, but I have always wondered if 
whoever, what, Chris Nolan, right, with the Dark Knight. I've always wondered if he was a wrestling fan because there are parts of, not all of, but parts of that Joker character that Heath Ledger portrayed that have always reminded me of Raven. Like the greasy hair and the, I hated my, I I actually thought about that one time when I was watching the movie when he's like, I always hated my, you remind me of my father. I hated my father. And I don't know, I don't know if he did or not, but that's, that's actually come up in my mind watching that Joker character. Pretty, pretty good. uh, Yeah, that is a pretty good way of looking at it. I know they also use that storyline of uh, Raven and his dad, only they switched it. When Raven and CM Punk were feuding on the Indies, Punk said the same thing to Raven. Only what he told him was, I, you reminded me of my father, and I always hated my father because of the booze and the drugs and the, mm-hmm. the cheating on my mom and all that. And that's exactly what you are, Raven, and that's why I'm straight edge. Right. So, you know, that is something. I guarantee you Raven came up with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when he got to the Punk feud, he was like, hey, go ahead and use it against me now. You know? Right. So, and then he also brings up um, Stevie being his lackey and leaving him, and also Sandman's family. Because um, at this point, we're going into bound, uh, bound for war. We're going into barely legal, and these are basically the top four guys. They don't know who's going to be fighting Raven at the at the pay per view yet, but it's going to be one of these guys. Right. Um, then there's a recap of Raven's issues, like now the actual video footage of Raven's issues with Stevie Richards, Sandman, and Tommy Dreamer. And then we go into the first of two matches on this show, and it is Sandman versus Devon Dudley in a Boston street fight. Um, actually, a pretty, I mean, it's your typical ECW brawl. It's entertaining. Um, I enjoyed the match. It was a little long, but it is what it is. Um, they involve a ladder. These Boston people are losing their shit. One guy that's like wearing Sandman, Sandman, hammer pants, and he's like super drunk, but super excited. <laughs> like, like he is going off the rails. Um, almost going over the rail. That's how excited he is. Like, not to attack, but he literally is like, he almost falls. Like, this dude, like, Sandman was this dude's fucking jam sandwich. Like, he was like, this, like, he went to this fucking racetrack to see the Sandman, and when it happened, he lost his shit. But anyway, um, they're brawling all, huh? Sorry, can I divert again? I know I keep taking your show off the rails here, but... Okay, so you mentioned a fan. Like sometimes, do you guys, I know you do, Aaron, Archie, do you? Like sometimes you're watching a wrestling show, like watching an old wrestling show or something, and maybe what's going on in the ring isn't necessarily capturing your attention. Do you start fan watching? Like do you start watching the crowd? Oh, yeah. Okay. So last night, it was literally last night, I'm watching – World Class Championship Wrestling from 1982. And the match was uh, King Kong Bundy and uh, 
uh, oh, Kabuki, I think, yeah. against Al Madrill and Tom Boogaloo Shaft. All right. So obviously, this match isn't terribly intriguing. Right. And I'm, I'm crowd watching. And I saw this lady. All right. And remember, folks, this is the Sportatorium. This is Dallas, Texas. This is 1982. This lady is probably in her 60s. She is dressed head to toe in like this pink and rhinestoned like pantsuit. And she's she's got on a pink and rhinestone hat, all right? And she is like sauntering down the steps to her seat. And she looks like she is completely fucking hammered. And all I was thinking was at some point Back in like the fifties, this lady started going to tech because she's like talking to people as she's going down the the ramp, like the steps too, like talking to people mm-hmm. in the crowd or whatever. You know that old lady? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know that old lady had gone to Dallas wrestling for like thirty years. You know, I and watched, that was I that watched. was her fucking that was her fucking domain, and she's fucking hammered right. in her fucking pants suit and hat at the sportatorium. Right. <laughs> like when she walks in, when she walks in, everybody knows. Oh, there's Sue. Yeah, yeah, there's Sue. <laughs> how you doing, darling? How you doing, darling? Yeah. I'm here for the Von Eric boys, darling. It's Rhinestone Rena. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, like, I was watching this old lady through this whole match. <laughs> just working the crowd. It's fantastic. She probably blew Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> Like 1962. Well, how yeah. How is she going to become a season dollar? <laughs> Blowing Fritz Von Eric. He's like, would you like to be? Would you like to see Fritz bits? <laughs> <laughs> That's my son Curry. <laughs> he never says Curry. He says Curry. Anyway, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. Oh, dang. Oh. Dang. Oh. <laughs> did it. Oh my God, Diddy! I'm talking about that time we watched that thing where he watched himself getting hit with the chair with the cane. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, dang. Who was there, man? He's in that goddamn yeah. fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> I tell, I tell you guys, I've told you guys to listen to Crime and Sports, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys started listening to Crime and Sports yet? No. Okay, no we don't even have. They they have like a whole thread of just wrestling. Like you can just type in like Spotify, like crime and sports wrestling. Mm-hmm. But you don't. It's like you don't even have to be into the sport to listen to it because it's more about the insane crimes that these people do. You know. Yeah. Like they've talked about like uh, they did. They they talked about. I looked at the date for it. They did a crime and sports about Johnny K Nine Bruiser Bedlam before Dark Side of the Ring did. Mm. Anyway, because he was still alive yeah. when they. So yeah. But they've done like Johnny K9, Chris Adams, just all these people, Sonny. <clears throat> just, I don't want to put over some other podcast, but I, I'm saying it because we just brought up the Von Erics. Um, he's talking about them because they're doing the one on Chris Adams. And Chris Adams, you know, was in Dallas and everything like that. Right. They're talking about the Von Erics. And he's like, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Von Erics at some point. And he goes, there are five brothers. Only one of them is left. And it's Kevin. Like, he's like, He's like, when you look at the guy, you just tell he's fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he's like, when you look at him, you can just tell he's fucking stupid. He's like, not even <laughs> like, you know, chair shots and stuff like that. Just a stupid guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And then when you hear him talk, it's like, he sounds like a, a very stupid version of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> wow, what a what a call. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking about he's talking and I don't know if I ever heard this. I knew I knew Chris Adams did this, but I didn't know this side note of it. Chris Adams headbutted a, a co-pilot. Did you guys know mm-hmm. that? Yes. Like, like 82 no. or something. Yes. He was getting belligerent drunk, and this flight attendant said that he couldn't have any more booze. He called it the C-word. And all this other stuff. So then the co-pilot comes out to talk to him and says, if you keep talking to the flight attendant this way, I can land on Miami. Da, 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 da. Chris doesn't like that. So he headbutts the co-pilot. Okay. Breaks his nose, shatters his teeth, all this stuff. And he sits back down next to Tim Brooks. And he asks Tim Brooks, what do you think is going to happen? And he's like, they're going to put you in jail. Like you're going to prison for this. Like, like that is what's gonna happen to you once we land right. that plane. You're going to prison. She's like, really? You think? Yeah, you're going to prison. So then, Kevin go, and you know what Kevin's idea was? What? what? Let's go in the bathroom because Tim Brooks said he said Tim Brooks said that Kevin said this. He said, "Let's go to the back. Let's go to the bathroom, and we'll switch shirts." <laughs> and nobody will know that I'm you and you're me. But they look nothing alike. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the only oh, British guy in the plane. <laughs> and know? we know Carrie can't we know Kevin can't pull off a British accent. Yeah, he can barely pull off an Eng- an American accent. Wow. Yeah, let's switch shirts. And I think Chris Adams was even like, hey, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is worse than the DDP mystery. Yeah, you do. You asked me to stand up and bring in the bathroom and tell me that, you know. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> totally off the rails on that. But this match is going on between Sandman and Devon Dudley, and there's a drop ceiling in this building. Okay, yep. and Sandman does something like you know, like people be like, he climbed up to the rafters and jumped off on him. Sandman climbs into the rafters. And jumps off onto Devon and gives him a gives him a leg drop. He literally jumps from the ceiling. He climbs up the ladder, hangs from the ceiling, yep. and then jumps off and leg drops Devon Dudley. Pretty Hopefully. actually pretty. Cool. Like, if he, like if he's done it his entire career. Yeah, but I just never seen anybody jump actually out of the ceiling. So it's pretty cool. Um, then Joel Gertner comes out after the match. And Joey's like, huh, I wonder what Joel has to say. And Joel doesn't even get a chance because he gets in the ring and he looks at Sandman and Sandman just cracks him in the head with a cane. <laughs> like, <laughs> just nails him. And Joey's like, all right, good. I didn't want to hear what he had to say anyway. And then Bubba and Devon, <laughs> then Bubba and Devon attack um, Sandman because they're, they're together now from last week. And... Sandman gets a little bit of offense, but they end up leaving him laying. So this was an okay, this was, like I said, it was a typical ECW brawl, but it was good, and the crowd was into it. Um, then we get a Japanese promo from 
the great Sasuke, Grand Hamada, and uh, some guy dressed like a crab. I don't know who he was, but he's the guy that gets replaced by the other guy, barely legal. Um, so they cut their promo in Japanese and do the ECW number one thing. Um, and then um, Taz has a match, and who do you guys think he fights? Mm. At this point, at this point, he was a guy that had been in the WWF a few times. He ends up becoming a star. Who do you think it is? Mm. Young guy. Let's see. Damn, this is a tough one. He's been in the WWF a few times. Yes. Candido. Who? Candido. Nope. It's Scott Taylor. No, Scott Taylor. I didn't even know he wrestled in ECW. I didn't remember that. Me neither. He's fighting Taz. And it's actually not a bad match. Um, But we all know what the outcome is going to be. Um, Taz ends up choking out Scott Taylor. um, And that's how that ends. Like I said, it wasn't a bad match. And then we get a promo with Men's Tayu. Takamichinoku and Dick Togo. Um, which, did you guys ever hear what Bruce Pritchard said that everybody called him in the WWF? Dick Togo. Dick Togo. Dick Togo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. There goes Dick Togo. And actually, actually, Jackie, on the prior show we discussed, WCW Nitro, also had a Dick Togo. <laughs> Yes. So there you go. <laughs> I think that might be the first time anybody's ever put those two words together. Portable dick. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. <laughs> They're probably all the rage in Germany. Yeah. Can that be the name of the show this week? Or the Netherlands. <laughs> Hey, we're big in the Netherlands. Yes, reliving the extreme is big in the Netherlands. You see that poster I made, that picture I made? I did. Yeah, we're big in the Netherlands. (laughs) Did you see the hashtag that I put along with it? Yeah, Dutch girls over there and said said we're the we're the ninety fourth most popular wrestling podcast in the Netherlands. 99, we're net, we're literally, reliving the extreme is literally every week when I look, like sometimes if you have, the, the way podcast rankings work is it's literally like by the day. So there will be days where I'll look and reliving the extreme will be like 96 and then the next day it's like 140 because, you know what I mean? Because that day that many people I mean, didn't download. Right. right. However, we are always Every day of the week, every month, in the top hundred in the Netherlands. I do it, whatever. <laughs> That's fine. We love you, Sven. Out of all the wrestling podcasts, now is that just the ones that are available in the Netherlands? Well, it's what whatever. Yeah, whatever they can get in the Netherlands on Apple, because <laughs> you, you actually like Apple's the only one that makes their uh, charts um, visible. So you can't actually see Spotify or whatever. You can see how many downloads you've got total when I get into the server. Yeah. But I can only see where we're ranked on Apple. But anyway, yeah, it's crazy. The Netherlands just loves reliving the extreme. Well, if 
we can uh, save enough money, we can go there. <laughs> On location. Yeah. With with our people. Yeah. It'd be like when Frank Drebin well, gets off the plane and Naked Gun. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, they're here to see Weird Al Yankovic. Like, shit. It's one of my favorite scenes in a movie. It's like, it's like, no, no, Frank. We're here to see Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Random person. <laughs> so fucking funny. Hmm. Anyway, and you, you know when they proposed to Al was like, "Fuck yes, I'll yeah. do that." And make a gun movie with Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but we get Dick to go and 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 Taka and Mensteu and they. <laughs> Are about to cut their promo, and guess who shows up? The NW or the BWO, and we see the formation of BWO Japan, and they give them the shirts. And Stevie even gets Taka to look in the camera and go, "Buy the shirt, buy the shirt, buy the shirt," <laughs> and it's fantastic. <laughs> and then we just get a Pulp Fiction. To end the show with Shane Douglas, it features Shane Douglas, Brian Lee, and Chris Candido. And it's just these guys talk like Candido's talking about Sabu. Shane's talking about, he talks a little bit about Terry Funk, but he's mainly talking about the pit bulls. Uh, Brian Lee's talking about being a gun for hire. He'll take out whoever he needs to take out. And we are moving into Cyber Slam in 1997. So that is how the week. Of, of, sorry, February 17th, 1997. That was the Monday. So that's how that week ends. Um, and the uh, next, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, I think the, uh, if, if, uh, tell me if you agree with me, I think the promotion that won the week this week was the WWF. Oh, definitely. It definitely won. Um, so, um, I want to check something real quick. And I did check, by the way, uh, I think while we were discussing Nitro at one point, I jumped in, I jumped on the Wikipedias, and it is the first, the Sid title win is the first time, the first time the WWF title changed on Monday Night Raw. So, there you go. Cool. History in the making, ladies and gents. Yes. Um, so, with that being said, mm-hmm. there's one more thing I want to look up just real quick. Sorry, you can edit the pause here out. It's quite all right. Yes. Um, typically, I've done like pay-per-view or super show as its own show, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the first ECW super show since we've been doing this that it's available, that the show's actually available on the network. But it's also the same week as Super Brawl. So, it's the same weekend. So, I was going to maybe leave it up to you. Do we want to review Super Brawl 1997 and Cyber Slam 97 next week? Or do we want to break them up? I'd say break them up. Okay. Because with super shows, shows, you know, you're definitely going to get in the weeds. Yes. 
So actually, uh, Cyber Slam 97 happened first. It happened on a Saturday, a Friday and a Saturday, actually. And then, obviously, Super Brawl happened on a Sunday. So next week, we'll be inter- we'll be reviewing Cyber Slam 1997, presented by ECW at the ECW Arena. All right, sounds it's got, good. It's got Sabu and Chris Candido on it. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it should be a pretty good show. Um, I thought this was a pretty good show. Uh, Archie was taken, so <laughs> maybe we'll find him eventually. We're hoping um, he wasn't. He, we're hoping he isn't being trafficked. Yes, and also I want to thank so Archie, no longer with us. I'd like to thank him um, and Nate. Thank you, and thank mm-hmm. you guys for listening. See you next week.